Hey guys, it's Natalia, and you are listening to another episode of my podcast, where we talk a lot about achieving native life fluency. Today, I'm joined by Jason Farrell, our special guest. Jason has lived in Russia for over 10 years. He's learning the Russian language as well. And Jason is the owner and the director of a company that provides English-speaking teaching staff to Russian families. He is a teacher himself, and we've done many projects together. And I thought it would be interesting to listen to what we have to talk about today from a perspective of a native speaker as well, so that you don't just get my opinion on that. Hi, Jason. Hi, hi, Natalie. How are you doing? Thanks a lot for having me here. As you correctly pointed out, I think today we're going to discuss uh, a few th- maybe tips or general ideas on how a person can achieve higher levels of fluency and therefore achieve more native-like status in terms of their language abilities. So let's let's look and understand what it takes really to move uh, to more advanced language skills. Uh, a lot of people who listen to my podcast, they, are already, they have already a reasonable level of English. They are somewhere intermediate, upper intermediate, even advanced students, and they all want to in- increase their level of fluency. In order to achieve that skill, one has to develop a lot of sub-skills. And I suggest that today we focus on one, which is understanding words and information without having to translate it. That's the major roadblock on the way to native-like fluency for people because they translate every word. And even when they're already pretty advanced, they keep that habit of translating every word. Right. So, I mean, firstly, as a teacher of children, I really encourage them, once you've reached a certain level of English and a certain level of understanding and a certain vocabulary, it is then possible for a person to explain uh, using the vocabulary and the words that they already have what another word actually means. For example, let's take the word locate. Now, if someone asks me, oh, locate, I don't know this word. Can you help me with this word? I don't speak Russian, and I couldn't tell you even what locate is in Russian. But I could tell you that to locate means to find. I can take another simpler word that that person might already know, and I can explain it using those words. So another common question which is often asked as uh by some parents is, how can you teach my son or daughter when you don't speak Russian? The answer to the question is, once I have those students at a level where I know how much they understand and I know whether or not I can explain it to them, then I think that's the major difference. I can then utilize the words that they already know and and explain a new word to them using those same words. And well, if you want to put it in text form, you're just using a thesaurus. You're replacing one word with another, a more difficult word with simpler ways of explaining it and simpler ways of understanding. So I personally always encourage my students not to translate as much as possible. Translation, it leads to a number of issues. Exactly. So you give this advice to children not to translate. I give this advice to adults all the time. Guys, if you want to move to more advanced 
language skills, you got to stop translating. Basically, you're saying you got to learn to understand what a word means or what a sentence means or what information means without having to translate every word. Let's talk about the reasons why people translate. My top reason is just because it's easy. It's the easiest option and people always resort to the easiest available option. What are the other reasons from your experience? Well, I tend to agree with you there, Natalie. I think, yeah, definitely the quickest and easiest way to understand something is just to simply go uh, to translate. And uh, nowadays we have such a, an easy route because of technology. We can just go to an app, a number of different translators, and we can either say the word or we can type it in and uh, there you've got the answer. Unfortunately, when I first started learning Russian, <laughs> these different types of technology were not available at all. And I had to use a dictionary. And uh, you really get tired <laughs> of paging through that word that you know that you looked up just a couple of days ago. And now you got to page through this big dictionary again to find that exact word. And then, you know, it becomes frustrating. So eventually, yeah, the quickest way is just to, to memorize it and to learn it and to commit it to memory because you don't want to have to do it again. That's right. The technology has made it easier, but I think the problem is rooted in the system of how we actually learn a language, a foreign language. We were given this task all the time. We had to write a list of English words and next to every English word, we were supposed to write a Russian word, a direct translation of that word. And people are so used to memorizing pairs of words, English, Russian pairs, that now with the advancement of technology, it seems very natural that now we can do it faster. And, you know, it's just how people have been taught for a long time. And the technology doesn't really help here. It helps you translate the words faster, but we're still translating. We're not learning to think in a foreign language, which is the key skill to improve your fluency. You gotta learn to think in a different language. And maybe the third reason is that people believe that this is how they're going to increase their vocabulary because everybody thinks well most people think that in order to speak better english i need to learn more words in the first place and how do i learn more words i i learn more words how do i learn more words i memorize the translation of more words and that i think is another reason Right, exactly. So, I mean, just today, for example, uh, I was in a lesson and uh, the student, uh, he, we were speaking about health and he said, uh, he used the Russian word, I, I can't remember the name of the word actually, but then he, I said, well, I'm sorry, I can't understand you. So, of course, he, <laughs> as he usually does, he went straight to Google Translate and he translated the word and uh, the translation came out as the word temper. And, uh, you know, temper, it, it, direct translation, I mean, it just means a completely different thing in English. The, the translations are, you know, they give a number of options and then you can sort of pick any one. So again, a lot of the time you're gonna pick the wrong one. So again, don't translate. That's my advice. Probably the most popular English-Russian dictionary and Russian-English dictionary is Multitran multitrend.ru you can translate from russian into english and to 
into many other languages. But this is exactly the problem with this dictionary. You type in a Russian word, and what you get is sometimes 20, sometimes 30 different words that can be the translation of that word you're looking for. And which one do you choose? Which option do you <laughs> go for? It is really a problem of choice. People see 20 different ways to translate this word, and they pick the word that probably they like better or the word that they have seen before, but you can never be sure that that's the right word. And that word that you have chosen means exactly what you need to say in that specific situation. And another problem with translation is, look, okay, you found the translation of a word. Usually it's one word. So you're trying, if you're trying to learn one English word, you will write down one Russian word. You will get a pair. But the problem is, that if you forget the Russian translation, you forget the word altogether. And if you have nothing else to rely on, no emotions, no associations, no visual aids that help you understand or remember this word, I mean, no memories, right? No experience of that word. If you just have this Russian translation and you forget it, that's it. You forgot the word. Uh, you know, a lot of words themselves, they're built on other words. Once you understand that base word, uh, again, then you can build on that because a lot of words, they're just, you know, uh, there's a few extra letters, invest, disinvest. Again, if when you know one of the words, then you can build on that. You can find this sort of word within a word that you know, for example, uh, again, like maybe it's not such a close one, but person and people, you know, they have similar sounds and a lot of things in English are like that. A lot of the words do have a very similar background and therefore, you know, it's easier to get them um, or to, to try to not guess, but to work out what the words mean based on those, on those base words. Now, what you're talking about is attentiveness. You really got to be attentive to see what this base word is, what is the root of the word. Let's take the word brief. Many Russian people know this word, brief history of the UK, a brief history of the United States. But as soon as you say the word brevity, many people go like, oh, what's the translation? What does that mean? It's the same word, brief and brevity, but people know brief and Brevity is very often a new word for them. If you practice attentiveness, you will see the similarity. If you demand the translation every time you hear a new word, then you get the translation of a word. But if you lose the translation, this skill of being attentive, if it's not developed, it's just not going to help you. And again, you will be looking for a translation instead of making the connections that can help you learn the language. So let's have a look at how the wrong translation can affect the word order, let's say. Uh, now, unfortunately in English, word order does play quite a critical role and it is important and it can in fact change the whole meaning of a sentence if the word order is changed. Yes, uh, let's just run through some examples to demonstrate what it means. You teach kids, I mostly work with adults, but the problem is the same. What I hear a lot from my students is something like, I not did my homework, or also I like ice cream, or I like ice cream also, or this presentation about 
marketing. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I, I especially when tra not translating, but when they are saying some sentences that involve uh, changing the, you know, from positive to negative. So, for example, you have this situation where I not can do something. Instead of saying I cannot do something, uh, you know, they, they would say something completely different, just mixing the two cannot and not can. So, I mean, in a, in a, recent, uh, <laughs> a recent piece of homework, uh, she said, oh, when I grow up, I will be not a little girl, I will be a woman. And of course, I will not be a little girl anymore, I will be, you know, uh, a woman. So again, it's not, it's technically, it sounds wrong, and it's, it's, it's incorrect. And again, the word order is uh, rather crucial in that matter. Could you explain to the listeners what the correct word order would be and where the mistake exactly is? Yeah, so uh, when I grow up, I won't be a little girl anymore. I will be a woman. I won't be or I will not be as opposed to I not will be. So, I mean, it's just a simple change in that case. Is that what she said? I not will be or I will not be? She said, I will be not to be exact. Let me give you another couple of examples here. Uh, I very like school and in school, I very like to learn. So, Again, in English, you can't say, you wouldn't say, I very like something. You would say, I really like something, or I particularly like something, as opposed to, if you wanted to use that, you would use this word very at a different point. I like school very much. It would sound better. And again, the word order there is, is crucial. Exactly. I hear similar examples from some of my advanced students who say, I so loved the movie, you know, and we're looking at the situation with translation now from a different angle, because the problem is not only that you translate word by word. Okay, one separate word, if it's not translated properly or accurately, you will figure out at some point that you didn't get the word right. But here we're looking at how people speak, how people converse, and when, and people converse by saying sentences. So when people translate their sentences word by word, they translate the word order as well. And in Russian, you can play around with words any way you like. The word order doesn't really matter that much. I mean, as much as it matters in the English language. This is why when students translate Russian sentences into English sentences, they translate the word order as well. And we get sentences like, um, also, I like this, where it should be, I also like it. I also get it. I also did it. Not, I like it also, <laughs> or I so like it. I like it a lot. That would be the right word order. And again, a lot of students 
like dropping their verbs, just like they like dropping their articles, because articles are not <laughs> in the Russian sentences at all. This is why they never get translated. They get ignored. But the verbs are often ignored as well, which is a crucial mistake. This presentation about marketing. This presentation is about marketing. This presentation is going to be about marketing. In Russian, it's not a big deal if there is no verb in this particular sentence, but we need a verb in every English sentence. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have identified two problems. One, people can translate the word incorrectly and they can assume they understand the meaning of the word, while in fact, they don't really understand the meaning of the word or they understand only partly and another problem is that people can't really use this word they have translated in a sentence because not only they may misuse the word, but they also translate the word order and that leads to more miscommunication problems. Let's talk about other ways of expanding your vocabulary without having to translate every word. Let's talk about other ways of improving your fluency without having to translate every word because that's ultimately what people want. They want to improve their fluency, and they think that they need to learn more words to speak more fluently. So how can you do it without having to translate it, every word? Let, let's understand how to build a good vocabulary, firstly. So I always encourage a strong uh, habit of regular reading, and uh, also how do we collect these new words which we would like to use in our vocabulary well obviously there are movies there is you know youtube and all different types of things where you can gather these type of words and that's how you're really going to start to to build the vocabulary is uh, by seeing what native speakers are saying and finding those words that those particular persons are using and in the context that they may be using them and after that of course understanding the meaning of such words for which you know, we, I personally encourage a thesaurus much more than a dictionary because I think it explains things a lot easier uh, in many cases. And then I think what is quite crucial to touch on is that you need really to understand how these words are used by native speakers. And in that way, you're gonna, you might refer to, to, to films, you might refer to different websites and you might look up exactly in what context and how that word should be used and where it is um, you know, appropriate to, to use such words. Those would be just a couple of, a few simple ways to you know, expand the vocabulary. And touching on another point, even during conversation, <clears throat> if somebody says a word that you don't know, I mean, I don't see any harm in you stopping the person and saying, I'm sorry, I don't understand that word. Can you please repeat it? Or can you please explain to me what it means? I don't believe that there are very many people who are going to object to that. They would be only too happy to say, oh, well, it means this, or they might explain it in a different way. And in that way, you're going to not only bolster your own relationship with the person in some way in your conversational ability, but you're probably likely to remember such a word from your personal experience. From, from when I started learning Russian, I had so many of these personal experiences where I had to, I really had to get this word from, from nowhere. And they were really simple words, colors, amounts, items. But because I had this like very personalized experience about 
what's that white stuff on the shelf? I mean, I, I had to learn the word white and I learned it via, you know, a difficult task and a, and a hard thing that I had to, you know, to, to, to encounter, to get those words, but for sure those words are ingrained in my brain. So personal experience could be a, a, a very good method as well. You mentioned a fantastic exercise, one of my favorite ones, reading. Get into a habit or develop a habit of reading. And I think many people have heard of this exercise, just like many people have heard of um, the advice of watching movies without or with subtitles. But I see a lot that people don't really know what to do with this exercise. Okay, they open a book, I'm supposed to read. What do I do next? Let's deconstruct this exercise. And I can only share my experience, what I do to improve my vocabulary and what I usually advise to my students. First, what should you read and how much should you read? Uh, I'm just going to share what I do. Jason, if you feel like you want to add something, please uh, do so. First of all, if you open a book with an intention to read a book and enjoy the book, just read and enjoy the book. You don't have to really bother about every word you do not understand. I love the story of a little girl who was reading Moby Dick. Have you heard of that story? I heard it from one of my fellow teachers and he said that he wanted to encourage kids to read more and he gave them a task to read whatever they like to read. And he noticed that one girl was choosing books and texts that are below the level of other students. She was choosing the easiest stuff she could put her hands on. Like she didn't bother to choose any complicated or advanced text because the task was just to read. So she read a text and she was happy. And he wanted to encourage her to read more and to read more advanced text so that she can keep up with the rest of the class. And he once advised her a book which was closer to the level of other students. And she liked it. She liked the book. And she gradually got interested in reading more books like that. And one day he said he was watching her read and he couldn't believe his own eyes when he saw the illustrations on the pages she was reading. And he approached her and he saw that she was reading Moby Dick and she was eight or nine. So he asked her, what, what is that you're reading? Is that Moby Dick? And she said, yes, it is Moby Dick. I like it very much. And he asked her, don't you find that some passages are a little too difficult and not very clear? And she replied, sure, but I just skip those paragraphs and I move on to more interesting ones. <laughs> you know? And this is, I think, this is how we learn. We bite off a little bit more than we can chew. But it's, if it's interesting, we continue. And sometimes you just have to skip those paragraphs that are not very clear because you know there will be paragraphs that you can understand, that you can make sense of, and they will be enjoyable. So if your task is, or if your agenda is to enjoy the book, you probably don't need to panic about every word that you see and you do not understand. Just enjoy the book and try to make sense of what you're reading. Of course, if you don't understand every word, then maybe this is... Uh, this book is too difficult for you today and you should choose another one. But if your agenda is to improve your vocabulary, then I suggest you pick one short paragraph and you read only one short paragraph because people misunderstand this, ta this task. If you tell them you have to read every day, they think they have to read 100 pages every day. 
But in fact, you have to read one paragraph a day, but really work with this paragraph back and forth, back and forth, read it many times and do a set of exercises. Let's talk about the set of exercises in detail. Okay, you have chosen a paragraph. What do you do next? What would you do, Jason, with that paragraph if you were reading a paragraph in Russian? Well, first of all, yeah, you'd, you'd probably pick out the words that you know firstly and uh, uh, the ones and the things that make sense and that you understand. Uh, and then, well, you can probably formulate uh, a large amount or a large percentage of it and understand what the general gist or the general idea of, of, the, of the paragraph is supposed to be. And then with those words that you do encounter, and again, I think that uh, bite-sized chunks <laughs> are really important uh, here, is you're going to take, you know, maybe three, four uh, different words and you're going to say, okay, now how am I going to uh, figure out what those words mean? And again, you know, look at the words and decipher, are there any similar words that I already know? Are there any familiar words that may be close to that? And then, okay, maybe it means this, but then obviously instead of guessing, you're going to look it up and you're going to uh, try to find maybe a synonym to that word that's going to make it easy for you to understand you know, what it means. And then from there, I would say you definitely want to write them down and you want to keep uh, uh, a tab on those words that you're, you're accumulating. And then you want to see exactly how those words are used or how that particular word is used by other people and in other sentences. And, you know, you, often when it's a new word, uh, it depends obviously on the type of, of text that you're reading. But very often those words are going to appear again and again. And once you've recognized that word and you say, okay, this is what it is. So I was reading a text uh, today and uh, the student came with the, the, the word was conquer. And this word conquer then appeared like, you know, eight times in a page. Uh, so, so by the time he finished the page, just by grabbing the word in the very beginning, translating and understanding what it meant, and then he saw it again and again. And, and then by the end of that, now, you know, he is already using that in, in a sentence and, and utilizing the word because he knows it. So it's important just to, to really try to understand it before going really into depth and to detail and say, okay, uh, you'll probably find that you'll get it and it'll come a lot easier. And of course, the more you do this exercise, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah, you're saying all the right things. and. I would just like to slow down here again and maybe draw an algorithm like what exactly you can do with this paragraph step by step like where do you go to do these exercises which resource resources can you use because ultimately all you need is this paragraph and internet access that's it uh, for example what I do is I read this paragraph to myself and I ask myself does it make sense to me that's the first question I ask if it makes sense to me, great. If it doesn't make sense to me, I ask myself, what words here prevent me from understanding what this passage is about? If I can't make sense of some words, I will look them up. Okay, where do I go to look them up? My favorite resources are dictionary.com, thesaurus.com, merriamwebster.com, online Cambridge dictionary. So I go to English, English dictionaries, where I read the definition of the word and not the translation. 
And sometimes students tell me, oh yeah, I looked this word up on Merriam-Webster and I couldn't understand a thing. So I got so annoyed with the fact that I couldn't understand what this explanation said that I went to Google Translate and I translated it. And then I got it instantaneously. My answer to that is yes. You know, some explanations are not very clear and not the best. So what do I do if I read the explanation of a word on Merriam-Webster and I didn't understand what it means? I simply go to another dictionary. I look up the same word on Cambridge Dictionary and then I look up the same word on Macmillan Dictionary or I look up the same word on vocabulary.com and I end up reading five or six different explanations of the same word and ultimately you know what I get it <laughs> and I learn a lot more interesting stuff along the way. I learn how it's used, I read the examples and I don't just learn the translation of the word, I experience how the word should be used. And that's probably the most beautiful part of the work for me and the most fascinating part of the work for me because I don't learn one word, I learn, I learn a lot more by doing this work. So I look up all the words that don't make sense to me, I look them up on these resources. But you know, sometimes it happens that you know all the words in this paragraph, but you still can't make sense of what the paragraph says. All the words look familiar to you, but you can't make sense of them together in a sentence. What can you do in this situation? Well, I think again, you know, you have to go and look again at where you find these types of words or where you find this word. And then you have to look at how it's used by others. And in that way, you're going to find out how, how it can be utilized. Because again, what, what you said, is, uh, is, is quite correct. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. My tip here would be, I go and check out how do native speakers use this word. But if I see the words that I already know in a sentence, which doesn't make any sense to me, it doesn't mean that I don't know the translation of these words. It means that I have never seen these words together in these combinations. What I do in the situation is I want to look up the word combinations probably two, three, five words that are together exactly in this particular order. And I will take this big chunk of a sentence, the sentence fragment maybe, and Google it or run it through resources such as Scale or Phrase It and, or maybe Youglish.com and try to figure out, do native speakers use these words in this particular word combinations, in this particular sequence? Because the problem is most probably that you have never experienced these words in this context and in this specific order and this is why you don't understand what it means. Maybe it's an idiom, maybe it's a phrasal verb, or maybe it's just uh, something that you have never spoken about before. Can be as well. So that would be my tip here. I think as well part of the, the issue really is understanding whether or not do I need that word? Am I going to use that word very often or can I, can I use that word? Because let's face it, some words are used so infrequently that they're just simply, I'll be quite honest, they're not worth spending the time and effort to memorize and to commit to memory if they're just something that you use, you know, once or twice a year. People come to me sometimes with extremely strange words. They say, oh, uh, and then they say this word and I'm like, wow, you know, you pick such a strange way of word, um, you know, maybe not even combination, but a strange 
way to describe something. I mean, we talked about that recently, uh, sort of, let's say, overcomplicating, trying to sound more sophisticated and trying to use words that are just absolutely, you know, when, when you want to kill a rabbit, you do not need to bring a bazooka. Yeah, <laughs> you just don't need it. It's over the top, you know, OTT, as, as one would say. Or an overkill, right? As an example, can I obtain my homework? That is an overkill as well, <laughs> right? Uh, obtain is kind of a synonym to get, but you don't really need this word in this context. It's enough to say, can I get my homework? I see this a lot as well. Many students, when they do the reading task, they panic every time they see the word they don't know and they feel that they have to translate every word that doesn't make sense to them every new word and they have to memorize it coming back to the steps so i read the paragraph i look at the i look up the words i don't know i look up the word combinations that don't make sense to me and yes i write down these words and these word combinations but i do not translate them i practice i continuously practice the skill of explaining things to myself i explain it to myself in english and then i honestly look at this list of words that i have written down and i ask myself how many of these words do i need in real life usually if i have made a list of 10 words or five words even i will only pick two maximum so my rule is i pick a maximum of two words one or two no more than that. And I ask myself, okay, which of these words can I immediately use in my own speech? And which words will I use for sure? And I just stick with those. I don't bother about all the other words. Let's face it, we're all humans. And sometimes, and in a lot of cases, less is more. You can go through a text, you can identify 20 new words of that 20, Look, you're not going to learn the 20. If you're doing that exercise every day and you're getting 20 words a day, it's just not possible. You know? You're going to have to choose maybe four or five of those most crucial and most important words that you think are useful to you at that particular moment in time and with where you are exactly in your learning process and then say, okay, I'm going to focus on those words because then you give yourself a fighting chance of actually remembering at least three out of those five and utilizing and using those those three out of uh, out of potential 20 words, but at least you'll know them and you'll know how to use them correctly and in what order to use them correctly. So yeah, I definitely encourage not to try to bite off more than you can chew in terms of, uh, of this exercise. You were saying that you will at least learn how to use these words. Let's also speak about the resources that people can use to actually learn how this word is used. So what I will do normally is once I have identified these two word combinations or these two words that I like and they're on my list already, I will run these words through as many resources as I can because I want to immediately start using them in my speech. It doesn't mean that I'm going to forget all the rest. But for now, I will choose to practice this too. So what can you do? The simplest way is to simply Google these words or these word combinations. I simply Google the word combination that I, is new to me or that I learned from this particular paragraph I was reading. And my rule is to find a minimum of 10 examples because you can find everything on Google. Sometimes you can find an essay written by a Spanish native speaker in English and he or she will be using these word combinations that you have found in that paragraph. But 
probably they're going to be used in the wrong context because this guy is not a native speaker. I want to learn to learn from native speakers. So my rule is to find a minimum of 10 examples in a minimum of 10 credible sources. Credible sources are maybe newspaper articles, blog posts written by native speakers, scientific papers, text created by native speakers, educated native speakers that I want to learn from. Not only the dictionary, because dictionaries can give you some examples, but you can't really learn how to use a word only from reading the examples in a dictionary. There is a good uh, resource which is called Phrase It, phrase.it, uh, YouTube, but Google usually gives me a bunch of examples and I always end up reading something very, very interesting with this particular word combination that I have selected. And then what I will do once I have satisfied my interest and I understand the context in which this word combination should be used. What I will always do is I will listen to the pronunciation of these words because if I want to learn to use them, my job is not only to recognize them when I read them, my job is to learn to say them. I will always listen to the pronunciation, both the UK version, the American version, because I want to recognize this word when it is said by different native speakers. And then I will read this paragraph out loud. That is always my final step because if I can read a paragraph and I can write down important words, what I'm doing is I'm practicing reading and writing. If I want to speak better, if I want to improve my fluency, I need to open my mouth and actually speak. So the final step for me is always reading this paragraph out loud, making sure that I understand what I'm reading and that I'm reading it correctly, that my pronunciation is correct and I understand every word and what all these words mean together. Another thing I want to just throw in at this point is as well, when you're going through them, many websites do have, especially dictionary uh, websites, do have a clear examples, pronunciation in terms of this, it becomes crucial because you may know the word by reading it and you may know the word. Uh, so for example, today I had the word surface. So surface. So again, when you listen to somebody saying that and when you're going to your, you know, different resources, to films, to, to YouTubes, to dictionary, using this method that Natalie has described will firstly help your vocabulary and secondly, it will help the word order and the structure and how you're going to use that word in the future. Another exercise I do all the time because I want to develop the skill is I look at a word, even the word I know, and I try to explain it to myself. I explain it to myself in English. And if I find myself out of words, I go to thesaurus.com and I look at options. What are other options of explaining the same idea or the same concept with different words? I think this is a fantastic exercise when you can explain to yourself why we need this article here, why we need to use this tense and not that tense, what this word means and why should we use this preposition not translating every word, not demanding your teacher to explain it to you immediately, and not demanding a translation from your teacher, but teaching yourself to explain things to yourself. And, you know, another tip I can give is when you work with vocabulary, especially if your goal is to increase your level of fluency, it doesn't really make a lot of sense 
to accumulate new vocabulary every day because I think people do the math wrong. They think I'm going to learn 10 new words every day. So in 10 days, it's going to be 100 words. In a year, it's going to be a million of new words. And they do <laughs> this calculation simply wrong because this is not how it works. Instead of accumulating new vocabulary, what is more important at higher levels of language mastery is or fluency is revisiting what you think you already know is understanding the nuances and the context and the details and how you use the words that you already kind of know but you didn't know that you can use this word in that context or you didn't know that if you put this word together with that word it means a completely different thing Revisiting what you think you already know is crucial. And very often when I read the paragraph or when I watch a YouTube movie, I will not pay attention to the words I don't know. I will pay attention to the words I know, I understand, I recognize them. I have even, I have even used them myself some time ago in an email or in a conversation. But I know for, that for some reason I don't use these words actively in my speech. And these are the words that I will pay attention to and ask myself, okay, what prevents me from using this word combination that makes total sense? I don't even need to translate it. I understand it, but I don't use it. And I think this is a lot easier to simply adopt the words that already make sense to you and diversify your vocabulary with the words you understand. You don't even need to translate them rather than looking for words that are totally new to you, translating them, forgetting them the next day again, translating them again, forgetting them, and failing to use them in the right context again and again. Build on what you already know. You already have a certain level of vocabulary, and then you're just adding to that. And I think that what's crucial here, especially when you're building a, your vocabulary, is something called deliberate practice. Now, deliberate practice means taking those words that you've uh, sourced. And uh, so one of, one of the exercises that I do very often with uh, children is once they've uh, done their spelling and once they've done these new words and they've learned what they mean, they then have to go and you know use them in sentences. Of course, this is in written form. So they have to formulate a sentence. And of course, you know, well, children, they, they will go for the easiest one possible. And then, you know, maybe a week or a few days later, I will ask them to use that same word again. And I will ask them to use an eight word sentence where it forces them to, to really show the meaning of that. But I think that deliberate practice is important that you go out and then you, you build on those three, four, five words that you've you've learned and you've now sort of, in, in order to incorporate them in your vocabulary, well, you have to use them. So you have to use them in conversation and practice doing that. And, you know, then again, you will not only build your vocabulary, but you'll build your confidence in speaking in terms of uh, being able to, to use those new words and to use more words. I can only add that writing is a fantastic exercise and I use writing as a tool to teach people to think in the English language and my writing courses are exactly about that because when you write you have the time to think about your word order to think about your sentence structure to, to think about the context and if this is actually the right word for the sentence you have the time to think writing is amazing but if you want to practice 
speaking, if you want to improve your speaking skills, you always need to read what you have written down out loud. You need to read what other people have written out loud. So reading doesn't mean reading silently. To me, reading always means I want to read it out loud. I want to know how to say these words and I want to know how to use these words, not just to read these words. Because many non-native speakers, let's face it, they can read emails very well. They can read technical literature. They can understand what people write to them. But the problem, the common problem is that they can read and write a lot better than they can speak and they want to speak and to hear what people tell them at a better level as well. I, guys, well, I'm sorry. Let's face it that, I mean, writing something down, reading something, and then being able to use it and to actually speak it, well, these are very different, different elements. And uh, that's why as well, when reading, I always encourage students to, to read out loud. And then you're going to actually hear yourself and maybe even go as far as and very many, many teachers do encourage this. And I often do it myself. Record yourself, record the student and, uh, you know, then they can see themselves, how they actually sound. And in that way, that will also help to improve your pronunciation and the way things are, are being said, especially if you're not happy with it. <clears throat> This is how people improve their listening skills and their speaking skills also in the listening course that I teach. And many, many students tell me that it came as a big surprise to them when they first heard how they sound in English. People learn a lot from listening to how they read, to how they speak in English. Because we all speak beautiful English in our head, <laughs> but when we actually speak it to other people, it sounds different. I think we should summarize what we have said today on a podcast. I actually have two videos on YouTube on how to learn vocabulary. In one video, I explained the algorithm of learning new words. In that YouTube video, I uh, talk about it in way more detail. And there is another video that you can also find on the page of my listening course, where I give an example of how you can learn the word proud what it means, how it's used by native speakers, how it sounds and how native speakers use it in a context. So definitely go check out those videos if you want to learn to stop translating. So one more quick thing I, I want just to touch on, you know, if you've gone ahead and you've done this work and you've uh, you found this word and then you've looked up this word and you found some maybe some examples of this word, you know, let's say later on, you might be trying to use that word in a conversation and you might forget it all of a sudden because, hey, you know, you can forget something if you've done and you've done that, you know, pre-work or homework, let's say, uh, you know, you, you might be trying to describe that word and you know how that feeling is when you just you just forgot that exact word. And this happens a lot, even to native speakers. If you can describe that word and you can describe something around it or something that sounds like it and it's like, oh, that thing, it was it was really, um, you know, I just can't remember the word. It was very big. It was uh, and, and, and the person, you know, they'll try to guess it. And that's that's kind of a, a, a normal, normal game is you know if you go ahead and you don't take shortcuts and you do the work necessary to develop this vocabulary and this skill of finding it and using it and finding the words around that it's going to help you tremendously in case the, the situation does arise that you 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 forget it 
Exactly. That's why I always practice the skill of explaining things to myself because this way I'm learning options. The more options I know to describe the same thing in English, the more confident I feel. And even if I get the translation, even if I get one option, I still can come up with other options. I still can use other options that I have learned or I have seen somewhere or I have experienced already. And I always tell my students it's not like it's not really about memorizing many words as many as you can it's all about the speed of un, like finding the information that you need right now in this situation because it happens very often that we forget what we memorized before as you said it happens but it really matters how fast you can understand what a person wants from you how fast you can explain yourself and how fast you can find the information that you need but you maybe forgot it or you don't know it so how fast can you find what you need and use it in a conversation and be understood and if you practice explaining things to yourself and if you practice uh, learning the synonyms looking up the synonyms using them in a sentence then it's going to come way way easier to you so all in all i believe that not translating and doing this sort of let's say longer path of uh, understanding words utilizing words considering the context of words and uh, using them in the right order is going to stand you in better stead going forward than it is going to, to do if you take shortcuts. Uh, it, of course, initially, this may be a tedious and maybe lengthy process, but I can assure you that the more you do this, uh, the easier it becomes and the quicker you're going to be able to pick up other new words as your vocabulary expands. What I see a lot is that people and students are not happy with their progress. Advanced students, very smart people, do the same exercises. They translate, they read a lot, they watch a lot of movies, but it doesn't bring the result they want because they keep doing the same things, but it doesn't yield the results that they're looking for. And, and here, the whole point I'm trying to make is that if you want to move to a different level, you gotta start doing completely different things and they will ultimately pay off absolutely so i wish you all the very best of luck and uh, i hope that you continue along this journey with us trying your best to to improve your your skill in terms of this because i can be absolutely confident in saying that every single step that you make will gather momentum and for every new word that you learn, the next two new words are going to come a lot easier than the first one. So make those steps and um, keep the ball rolling, as we say. So go and read that paragraph out loud and check the next word you're going to encounter somewhere online in an English-English dictionary. Do not rush to translate it. I also wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much for listening and, and let us know how you did. If you do apply the advice that you heard on this podcast, let us know how you did. We love to communicate with our listeners. And uh, I'll talk to you in the next episode. And we will talk to you about different tips of improving your fluency in other episodes of this podcast.